You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Robert Smith. This is the Fair Game Podcast. You know, when so many of us think of fairs, we think of some of the biggest in our industry, the State Fair of Texas, the Iowa State Fair, the Minnesota State Fair. Today's guest is the fair manager from a fair that's on the opposite side of that size spectrum, smaller in attendance, smaller in acreage, but no less small when it comes to the importance of the fair's role in their community. Our fairs come in all shapes and sizes, and every one of them plays a critical role for their communities. And here today to discuss how this pandemic has affected her fair, her community, is Colleen Gilboy, fair manager for the Verde Valley Fair in Cottonwood, Arizona. Colleen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that we could connect. You know, we've uh, we've worked together now um, at the fair for a lot of years. You know, I was telling you before we started the recording, it's really nice to be able to start to see from um, some familiar faces since none of us are really getting conventions this year and things have changed dramatically. So if you would, um, could you give folks listening an idea of who you are and how you ended up there as the fair manager at Verde Valley? Okay, so uh, we're a small fair. Our average attendance is 25,000. We're in a community not at the county seat. So we're not our county fair, we're a community fair. And um, we can encompass about five different communities here locally. My background is finance. I was a finance director for a town and some friends were having a good time and decided I needed to come run a fairgrounds for a few years. So I've been here um, and my biggest goal was capital improvements and making sure that the fair was stable for many years. So we just completed our fourth uh, capital improvement project in seven years, and um, it's pretty exciting. And you'll enjoy them when you come, uh, Robert, because uh, we have new restrooms. Oh, you know what? It's so funny. I think that's something we take for granted in the fair industry with so many fairs. Like I was saying at the top of the show, you know, you look at Minnesota, you look at, you know, the OC fair. These are fairs with massive fairs with, uh, with massive budgets. Now, you know, to quote the old song, more money, more problems, that just changes the scale of what a fair has to deal with. Um, but when you look at small fairs, getting refreshed uh, restrooms for your guest experience is really actually a big deal. Um, you know, you can, you can kind of get away with some older buildings, but if people have to use the restroom and it's not, it's old and dreary and damp and Nasty. That, that's it's all part literally is all part of the guest experience so uh, you know you've got a handful of of improvement projects you said your goal was to get this fair to a place where it's you know kind of secure for years to come pre-covid how was that process going it was amazing and uh, we had been setting money aside since we had a fair that had all five days with rain and we made it through that fair, but it was an eye opener on what happens if this happens again. And we didn't want to experience that. So we had started a savings account that money we had put in that we just didn't touch. And it was any time we had a credit card sale. So that money never came out of, we had created a separate account. And every time we had a credit card sale, it didn't matter if it was a gate fee, a beer fee, an auction fee, we left that money in that savings account and we haven't touched it yet. Um, we've been very blessed, but um, that was a big goal of ours to be financially stable and independent. 
And so we feel that this COVID experience, it has it, been hard, but it's not been impossible because we have had those reserves there and we haven't had to touch them. So that's been great. We just, we just knocked a couple of the capital improvement projects off the table and just said, we'll just wait. Oh yeah. I, you know, I think that's the same for like, like we said earlier, whether you're the OC fair and you're 23 days and millions of in attendance or whether you're the Verde Valley fair, uh, things just get pushed back. I know. And it's the same for us as entertainers. The interesting thing at the beginning of all this, you know, Sarah and I were getting ready to, um, to get switch trucks to go from an F-150 and go up to a dually and get a fifth wheel and get out on the road that way. We were literally hours from, from selling one truck. And then we were going to wait until after our run in Australia to get to switch over. And there was, I just had this gut feeling at that point that something didn't seem right. Um, I felt like, you know, maybe hold off. This isn't the right time. And I think it was two days later, Houston canceled on March 11th. And all the dominoes started to fall to fall down, and that's just what you do. You push these projects off. Uh, what kind of plans did you have for the fair this year, coming into 2020? That maybe they resurface in 21. What are you looking at doing? So we were so excited. Um, you know, with being a smaller fair, we don't have the opportunity to get some of those bigger acts. We kind of, and we're remote. We're not in a convenient place. We're two hours from an airport. We're in the middle of the state. We do have interstates, but they're like 20 miles away type of thing. And we actually were bringing in a large um, animal act this year. They were going to be down in Tucson, which is three and a half hours away. But they were, we had talked and they were going to route through us to get to their next place. And it was a really big deal to us. And, and it was a lot of moving parts. And we, you know, when they ask for so many manpower to help set up these acts that's part of their contract they had to have freezers for the meat for these animals and we're like hold on wait wait you know what do you okay where do I get that how am I going to accomplish that and they had ideas and they were great working with us but we got all those uh pins to fall into place and then this happened and so we have contacted them of course just like everybody else and and we're going to hopefully have them here actually in 2021. So, you know, that was a hard one because we were just so excited to have such a big different for our community. A lot of our kids don't see those things. Um, you know, the zoo is three hours away. So, you know, if it's not walking down the street, most likely they're not going to see it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that, um, I mean, we know on the industry just how important our fairgrounds and our, our fairs and the events on our fairgrounds are to our communities. I think that this is the year that maybe a lot of our community members started to realize, oh, like that's an important, you know, part of the puzzle for our community. And when you're three hours away, you know, it's easy to think about these large fairs that are in city centers or in large counties. When you're three hours away from anything or two hours away, you're basically isolated. And it's a beautiful, Cottonwood's a beautiful little community. I love driving down through there. Uh, mm -hmm. especially when you get to come drive down through Sedona. I mean, it's just an absolutely gorgeous drive. It's a they're great people down there, but they are kind of off in the, uh, off the beaten path. And so you work so hard year round to try to make this one five day event really mean something to your community. And then sometime in March, all of that changes. Can you take us back to that board meeting, what you were feeling and what was going through your head when that decision had to be made? 
Well, like everybody else, it was the hardest decision in the world. Um, it was a painful one. Um, we are only a, we, we are run by um, five volunteers as a board. And they're, of course, the ones that have to make that final decision. And when those five are not on the same page in March and in April, it, it's real hard. They did make that hard call. Um, and I think it was about two weeks out that we made the final, final, final call. Uh, we, were, we really were just praying that, that, um, that we'd get to go, that we'd be the first ones to open up the season for everybody. And we had people that were really waiting here in Arizona. We're the last fair in Arizona. And so there was vendors, there was entertainers, there was people that were kind of camping out, hoping that we would go and open this back up. And uh, obviously that didn't happen, but um, when that final we're not able to go happened, it was extremely hard. It was very um, contentious. Um, friendships were stretched, but we made it and we did it. And we are extremely blessed because we are a small community and our community backed our kids. And at the time, that's kind of when there was all the different beef shortages in towns and, you know, the processing plants were shutting down because they were positive, um, not here in Arizona, but in the Eastmore. And so um, we were feeling that angst. Um, we did have our processors already lined up. so That wasn't an issue, but it blessed our kids. Because people in the community bought animals that never bought before from our fair, but they were able to buy beef and pork and, and that. So we were blessed. We made it happen. Um, we did a lot of things that now we're going to bring into um, future fairs. We wouldn't let anybody out of their vehicle when they brought their animals for weigh-ins before fair for the auction. We weighed in about 10 days early but we were trying to get everything, all of our ducks in a row. So we made everybody stay in their vehicles and we took their animals out and we weighed them and we put them back and we did. So we're gonna take that forward. It, it went so much smoother and so much faster because we didn't have everybody chit-chatting and not moving their vehicle for the next one. So there was positives that came out. Um, we never wanna do it again, but you just talked at the beginning that before we got on air, the numbers are rising and what are we going to do? And do we know? No, but I think all of us learned in this past 10 months that we can do anything. I mean, we can shift, not even on a dime, we can shift on a pinpoint and move and, and accomplish great things. Um, we are starting to hear kids saying, we're, I missed the fair. When was the fair? You know, kids don't understand <laughs> timing. They don't understand right. the fair is always on this certain weekend. They don't get that. But they're starting to go like, wait a minute. I didn't get to go ride on the carnival rides. I didn't get to see the entertainment. So I'm getting more and more of that as um, this year is ending up. Are we going to have a fair next year? That's the big one that, you know, we all hear. Sure. I think everybody and, you know, how do if I had that crystal ball, man, I would be. Oh, man. That would be huge. <laughs> that would be it. That would be it. And you know, you you talked about the kids starting to go. Well, hey, wait a minute. Did we miss the fair this year? What happened? 
Um, clearly, your Verde Valley Fair provides far more for Cottonwood than just five days in May. Beyond the fair itself, can you talk about how important that fair and the fairgrounds is to the community? So like a lot of other places, you gotta you can live for a week, but then you got to keep feeding the, the beast. So we do a lot of um, birthday parties, reunions, um, anniversaries, wedding parties, you name it, RV camping. You know, that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is when you have Thanksgiving coming, you can stay at a fairgrounds. A lot of us have so much power. We're not these beautiful manicured lawns and huge trees because those get in the way of the carnival rides, but we have power, which is a big deal in Arizona. You know, you need that AC. So people have figured out that they can have their family stay here in town, very close. We're in the center of town. We're right here. We have 50 amp power that the big rigs want. And so that has all of us, we've kind of shifted this year and that's what's keeping us afloat because we can't have our parties. And then with my liquor license, I'm not even allowed to, I have to, I called the state. I have to buy a microwave and serve burritos and put, and then talk about how I'm going to, you know, do all the sanitizing, but I still can't have a dance. There's no dancing allowed yet in Arizona. <laughs> so how am I going to have a quinceanera, a sweet 16 with no dancing? Really? Nope. Stop. You can't dance. Yeah. And, and I, I was going to ask you, you know, when you lose revenue, like you do from the fair, when the whole thing cancels, uh, it, that's a huge chunk of, of revenue. Have there been other opportunities throughout the year for you to be able to shift and, and generate revenue through other means? So one of the things you have to think about is we didn't cancel till two weeks before we were giving the warning to everybody six weeks before. That's kind of the, the time frame we had. So um, we already had all of our tickets purchased. We already had all of our awards, all of our ribbons, all of our expenditures were done because I like to get things done early. Right. So your marketing dollars, all that stuff is already spent. Gone. Gone. With the intent that the revenue is going to get generated to make that that expenditure up. Right. So, you know, your pre-sale carnival tickets, yeah, we do those two months in advance. So that money was already out. Those tickets were already out. People had already purchased them. So, you know, that then you have to refund it and do all that stuff. So, um because of my liquor license, I still haven't been able to sell or open yet. So, wow. I, you know, my beer is just sitting there going bad. So that, that's been a hard thing for me. And I called him and I said, well, can I just give it away? He said, well, you can give it to the um, DUI tax force to the police department. And I was oh, like, sh- well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's been frustrating. So the money that I have made, which... Um, I think we looked at it uh, end of last month was $10,000 is what we've made for year to date. Wow. Year to date. And, uh, you know, that's not my electric bill. That's for sure. No, not so, at all. But that still leaves you in a position where, you know, we're still just about six months or so out from your uh, 21 run. It's entirely possible that this thing blows over, we get clear and they give you the big thumbs up and you have Cottonwood's biggest party in the century. Uh, Or you have some sort of modified fare or God forbid you get canceled a second time. And yet you're still here. You can't wait until 
April to figure out what you're doing. You've got a plan and assume you're having a fair in 21. From a management standpoint, how do you go about doing that? It seems like a monumental task. Um, it, it's so hard to gear back up because you didn't get, you know, you had been geared up. You had got everything ready. And then there, it, it's in my mind, it's a huge letdown. I mean, I know it's for everybody, but I just, I didn't have that excitement and I didn't get to have my funnel cake and I didn't get to have my fry bread or whatever, you know, anything fried is mine. And, and so to gear up this year, it's really taken a lot out of me because I'm just, well, what happens if it comes back? Did I do all this for nothing again? But you can't, you know, I can't live like that. I can't work right. like that. And, and I can't do that to all my, okay, I'm thinking maybe we might have a fair, but I don't know. Would you kind of pencil me in maybe around this time, you know, and I can't change my dates just like pretty much everybody else. We're in a route. You have to go when the animals are ready. The, the carnival can come through. The entertainers can be here. The food can be here, you know, so, and I don't get to dictate that. The big bears dictate that. And I get what other people have and they can get me on the way out of state. So I'm I'm rolling. I don't know. uh, I just don't know. I I mean, I've talked to all my entertainers when this all happened and we, when we pulled the trigger hardcore, I'm like, okay, but we're on for 2021. We, you know, will you still come to us, but that's kind of hard for them too. So I I don't know. I'm trying to be positive. Uh, I just want to have a fair. Oh, no, I'm with you. I think that's all you can do is just have a positive attitude and keep building um, and, uh, you know, keep planning and and hope that everything works out. And if it doesn't, you deal with it then. But in the meantime, you know, we've started some adjustments on our end. I know on our our attractions um, to make sure that they're COVID compliant. Um, I don't like what Conjure is going to look like necessarily being COVID compliant, but yeah, with either a mask or with, with plexiglass or something in the box. And it is what it is. If that's what it takes to get us through a year, 18 or 24 months to kind of get back to whatever, you know, normal looks like, then that's what we're going to do. But certainly in your case, you know, you talk about because you don't have the luxury of dictating your dates. A lot of that has to do with when a ride operator is in the area around you and has a weekend available. Um, certainly your relationships with your sponsors and your community partners are impacted by this. What kind of impact in a small community does this have on, you know, your community partners and your sponsors? Well, you know, that was really hard on them um, because they booked just like, you know, everybody else. And so, you know, now they've got a shift and um, say our tent, vendors you know they haven't done anything all these tents and all these chairs and rentals that they've done across for all these parties not just here but everybody's backyard and now those aren't happening so you know what's going to happen who's going to be here if this continues we don't know so um i haven't run into anybody yet that i've not been able to work with and and that Again, the only expenses I did lose 100% was the advertising that was already done, uh, print and, and radio, uh, but then the, the awards. And we have worked with a couple of the awards people, and they are doing a smoking deal to change our buckles. So we're thankful for that. Good deal. Um, yeah, I mean, you're 
your relationships, this is with any fair across this country, you know, those community partners and your sponsors throughout your area are vital to your success. I mean, they help cover entertainment. They help cover all sorts of different, different expenses that fairgrounds have. So it's good to know that you're still working with them and trying to keep in touch with them. Speaking of relationships, I enjoy so very much seeing all those memories you post on Facebook with your mom. How was she handling all of this? Um, whoa, don't do that to me. Oh, Hello. she's get she's getting emotional. For those of you guys listening, you got to know Colleen's mom. Is, how old is she now? Ninety-five. She's ninety-five. She looks like she's she's fifty-seven. <laughs> um, she's got the spunk of a thirty-nine-year-old. Uh, so how's she holding up? She doing okay? She is. She, you know, she lives on her own. She finally gave up driving at ninety-four and a half. So I'm I'm blessed in that way. Um, so my mom gets to see us. Uh, I, I'm obnoxious. Um, I call her every day when I leave the fairgrounds. I go up there two to three times a week. My brother comes from the other side. My husband goes from this side. So my mom is very blessed. Um, there's a lot of them in our communities that are not. And so that's where my heartstrings are really pulled. And we've done a lot of things here at the fairgrounds to help those older people. So we had a couple of, you know, most of our volunteers are past 60 and past 70 and some in the 80s and 90s. So um, this hit them. And there at the beginning, they didn't go out and they were really good. But then in the summer, we had people, some of our volunteers coming in crying. I mean, they were literally, they hadn't talked to people. They hadn't, they'd stayed out of the stores. People were doing their shopping. The only interaction they had was with the TV. They don't, their family... Maybe they don't have children or, or, you know, the, so we started up our, um, we, we have big buildings, you know, all of us have big buildings. And so we started up our quilt ladies and there's only 10 allowed at a time. The, the tables are six foot and each one gets their own table and then they're spread apart. So there's like 10 feet, but they're together and they talk. And the first week, um, seven showed up. They didn't bring their sewing machines and pretty much everybody just cried. Uh, it was very, very wow. hard on them. It was hard. It had been months. Uh, the second week was better. Uh, we still had some problems. You would talk to somebody, you'd call their name and they couldn't, they weren't getting that that wasn't the TV. They were thinking wow. that, you know, I mean, they weren't realizing that people were talking to them. And so that's the, the group that I'm so concerned about. We had my mom's 95th birthday during this pandemic. Um, we had it outside. She sat on the top of her porch and we all sat around in our lawn chairs and we celebrated her. And I had, my mom doesn't want any dust collectors. So buying something for a 95 year old woman is very hard because she doesn't want anything. She has to dust. So no dust collectors. So usually it's food. We buy her or wine or whiskey or whatever, but she called me and I said, you know, what do you want? So she calls me. She goes, I want a balloon on my mailbox. So <laughs> we can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And what is scary is she called me as I'm almost pulling back into work with a car full of balloons. I had bought 25 or 30 balloons, blown up helium balloons, but I was going to my office because I didn't want them to be outside. Well, I just made a U-turn literally in the middle of the road drove straight to her house and I said the balloons are here and that was that one picture where it looks like she's in up when there's all these right. balloons above her head 
because you know the dollar tree does them for a buck guys and put them on people's mailboxes she said it was so fun to watch the balloons i tied them on trees on plants on cactuses all over so her whole yard was waving with balloons and there was stars and hearts and the lady goes what do you want i said i don't care just give me balloons make you them know happy. make them happy and and that's where i'm that's my biggest fear is is our, our senior citizens that don't have a lot of family or family you know i'm blessed i live four miles away i can get there quickly and I do make a, a huge point of contacting her, but there's some, you know, 20 years ago when I had small kids that wouldn't have been that way. You know, I was running from ballet to soccer, to gymnastics, to whatever, you know, and, and, and these seniors, they just need to talk. They just need yeah. to know somebody cares that they got up in the morning, you know? So the seventh of the month, that's her birthday is May 7th. And so every seventh she gets something and I try and do that. Um, I went and bought a bunch of cheap uh, cards at Dollar Tree. And they're, you know, I've been just sending them all over. I sent them to Minnesota and Montana and uh, Nevada. Just a thinking of you today. Doesn't matter if they're young or old. Everybody it's, likes to be it's thought It's so of. important. It's so important right now, Colleen. We, I was reading a, a study from the Robert Graham Center that was talking about deaths of despair, um, depending on you know, and, and substance abuse as well. And it was, you know, depending on whether, you know, it was a short shutdown with a, with low or a fast recovery and low unemployment all the way to a slow recovery with high unemployment. And they were looking at something like 25 to up to words to 150,000 additional deaths as a result of these lockdowns. Um, I, I take your point and agree with it as, you know, check in, especially in your seniors, on your parents, your grandparents, your volunteers check in on your volunteers check in on your friends you know you, you a lot of us i'm very lucky that i've got sarah here i've got nate i've got my parents down the street i've got family around me um but not everybody does that especially when you're talking about entertainers it's easy to forget the entertainers a lot of performers have that very vagabond style kind of lifestyle they live on the road going fair to fair show to show they love it. I, I admire their tenacity for it, but it can feel very isolating right now. So highly recommend anybody listening, you know, go look on your Facebook list or go look on your phone contacts, go look at your past contracts that you've brought in for entertainers, pick some random ones and dial the phone number, send them a message on Facebook. Hey, how are you? just wanted to check in on you. Courtney Conkle did that for me. She's the fair manager up at the Wyoming state fair. I don't know where back in <clears throat> somewhere in April, I just got a message from her on Facebook and, and she and I know each other, not close friends, but we say, Hey, at the, you know, we bump into each other at the conventions, but it meant a lot to me more than I realized at the time that she would reach out and say, how are you doing? Um, and you know, this earlier this season, I spoke with, um, on the recording, I spoke with Linnell Smith, who's the head of entertainment for the Sydney Royal Easter show down in Australia, super passionate about what she does. And she brought up what I thought was a really significant point that she described this sense of loss that we're all feeling. And she said, I realized I'm going through a grieving process, no different than if she'd lost a family member. And that hit me it really interestingly, because I, at first I was, you know, I was frustrated. I was angry that all these things were happening. Um, then I was, I didn't want to wear a mask and I thought this is all stupid. They're blowing. And I'll, all of a sudden I look back and I was like, wow, that was anger. That was denial. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was, this literally is a grieving process. What do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I a million percent agree. And that's why, you know, we all have to back each other up and, and it doesn't matter if you're young or old, this pandemic has hit everybody. There, there is nobody that hasn't been affected. Um, if you have first responders, if you have medical, if you have, you know, that every business, look at our, our restaurants, um, go to the airport, look at the car rental area. It's freaky to see that many cars fly. There's nobody in the airports. I've loved it. I've loved flying. I've been a lot, flying a lot this year since this all happened using up all that vacation time that I'm hoping I won't be able to use because I'll be busy here next year. But um, I, I'm just, we just have to stick together. And I don't know what it is doing. I don't know what it is, but I know as a fairgrounds, you know, we did have our fall festival this past weekend. How'd that yeah. go? It was amazing. Uh, you know, the logistics, you have to spread everybody out. So all your arts and crafts booths have to be spread apart. So that when people are going by them to shop, that they're not by other people and the masks and the, um, we had a band that contacted us that's uh, very, very popular. And they're like, please, can we just come play on the stage? We don't care. We just need to entertain people. We are just starving Amen. for that um, public reaction, interaction. Well, Fortunately or unfortunately, it was hotter than blue blazes on Saturday. They were up on that stage and finally they said, because they all had costumes and everything. And and they said, we have to stop, guys. We're, we're just broiling. We are literally, our backs are just on fire. Wow. And it was like, oh, you know, there we put up big sunshades, but it's October. It was October 31st. Hello. Yeah, we should have put up the sunshades. It's Arizona. October 31st is still 100 degrees it was it was really warm it was amazing so um we didn't have uh, you know we were usually 2600 people on that day and uh we were not under 700 so it's more very than zero it was and we had tractor pulls you know and we had we did have wagon rides we just had them clean it up every time and um arts and crafts did good we had an art show we had a quilt show we had kids activities uh, play we had animals goats down in the arena we put up a pen and had animal games in the arena uh, just anything for interaction we had it very spread out because we're able excuse me do that um it just it was just um it was wonderful to have but boy it's hard to uh i don't know it's just different and it's just hard uh, uh -huh. to not have what we had are you are there any anything any phrases like you're tired of hearing because i know I, I, I or maybe i should ask it this way are you as tired as i am of hearing the phrases socially distant and new normal yeah i i don't this is there's nothing normal about this and and i find that you know hopefully one day we go back to a place where we can just all be together and, and not have to wear Hug. masks and and god talk and sing and dance and you know hug. i want to hug people yeah see this you and i are both very similar in, as being extroverts because i described this at one point i was talking to sarah and i said this is this probably was end of may or june and we would you know a couple times a week we would powwow with each other and close the doors no no nate no dogs no we just powwowing and make sure we're on the same page and 
Sarah asked how I was doing. And I said, this is getting painful, physically, like painful being an extrovert. And I realized in that moment that growing up, you always had like a church youth group or whatever. You had the, the introverts that would come out and you could never re figure out why they just look like they were so uncomfortable being in a social situation. And now the, the shoes on the other foot where the extroverts are isolated and now I get it. So to anybody out there who is an introvert, we love you. You don't have to come out in public. You do, you do whatever makes you comfortable <laughs> because I know as a, and you Colleen, you and I are, are two very big extroverts and being locked down has been physically painful. I know for me, has it been for you? Extremely painful. Um, and with my 95 year old mother, I have to be careful, but um, she only lasted about six weeks and then that was the end of no hugs. And I'm like, mom, you know, um, we ended up being, um, we, we set up a factory here at the fairgrounds and we sewed uh, to over 2,200 hospital gowns for the doctors that were then ran through the enclave and all that. And so we, we did it here at the fairgrounds and we kept it very quiet. We did not, it was a select group. We had about 400 people in our group. Um, they sewed at home. We had home sewers. We had uh, a factory here that ran um, nine women six days a week for seven hours a day, and they weren't paid a dime. They volunteered. And um, so I was expo not exposed necessarily to COVID, but I was exposed to people. So I didn't want to hug my mom sure. because I didn't, if I, I, I feel like, you know, yes, hospital people were picking up the gowns and taking them away. They were gowned up. So I, I felt like I was safe, but I just worried about her. Well, she lasted about six weeks and she's like, I'm done with this. You have to hug me. I need my hugs. So then since then, we, we've um, definitely been a hugging family again. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad. But, you know, you go up to people like, are you hugging? You know, you, you give them that hunched shoulder. Are you hugging? Okay, you right. can get hugged. And uh, so this weekend we were like, are you hugging? Nope. Okay, elbow or, you know, foot tap or just whatever to make sure that people know we care. Yeah, it's been um, a very, very difficult year on that front. You know, my parents are are, are in their 70s. And so it's, I we've only seen them. I've only seen them a couple of times this year. It's just, they're luckily they're right down the street. You know, we can call, we can whatever, but it can be, it can get really difficult, um, not being able to be close to them and feel, um, you know, feel that connection. And I worry for what this does, you know, long-term for our society, because I understand not everyone is, is an extrovert. Not everyone's into hugs. That's perfectly fine. But as a society, even without hugs, we're used to being together. Even if you don't know mm -hmm. that person that you're walking down the midway next to, or they're in another group next there is a camaraderie of a community that's built up at a fair and to not have that, to not be able to go to the, uh, to a baseball game or go to the zoo or do these things. I worry what that does to the long-term psyche of, uh, of our community. Do you feel like um, there's things that we can do both collectively as an industry, as a fair industry and as individuals to help build people back up and give them encouragement and all this? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, just the time, you know, um, you're, you're so talented. Um, I enjoy you and your son and your wife doing all that you do. And it's, I wish I had 
one tenth of the talent that you have um, <laughs> because you make people smile. I mean, you really do. And you, I, I when you're when Conjures out there on the midway and giving out his fortunes, it's incredible because you see those smiles. And so, um, you know, the nursing homes and that have had the window greed, you know, you, you can come up to the window and talk, but again, there's gotta be people in those nursing homes that don't have visitors and how do we impact them and make sure that they know that we care that they're there. And I don't know that, but as an industry, we bring smiles, you right. know, whether it's a, a brand new baby goat that was born last night, um, a baby, a steer was born actually this morning, a steer was born, uh, it was just on Facebook. Um, those make me smile. They make me happy. Uh, that's normal. I, I feel like I know Louie has been doing magic um, online, and I'm so thankful for that because it's Louis Fox you're talking about. Yeah, Louis Fox, terrific performer, amazing, yeah. and just fun. And I love sometimes he's like, "Yeah, that didn't work," you know, or whatever, <laughs> and, and off he goes, and and that makes me smile too. Carla's been doing all that uh, animal. Yeah, yeah, data yeah. you know and so that I feel that the entertainers really have this special niche that they can continue to entertain bring up people's spirits uh, make people feel like okay there is some normal not that you're you're normal or Louis normal but no there is far some from it in the world. <laughs> has this pandemic taught you anything about yourself Oh, that I need people all the time, 24 <laughs> seven. Um, yeah, you know, those first months when we were still trying to get fair together, my phone didn't ring. Um, I would maybe get an email a, a week. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, what, what are, what's going on here? Then once we were like, okay, we're gonna do the auction, the livestock auction, cause we have all these animals, then I would get a few more calls, but um, yeah, there was times I was like, somebody needs to call me. Hello, I'm here. I need hugs. I need talking. I need to be entertained for a little bit because I need people. Yeah, I, I agree. It's been, a, that's very difficult part for so many of us that are, are outgoing, the extrovert types. Um what advice do you have for people that are, you know, in our fair family who are struggling right now? Hey, reach out. Let's see if we can think of something different. Um, I reached out before we canceled to the health department to see if when we did that auction, that uh, virtual auction, if we could have food trucks here and have at least the food trucks here. And the county said no. Wow. But then when I reached out for fall festival, I was like, well, let's see if now, because other places in the state did allow it. And, and maybe now that it's not new and I'm not, wasn't trying to do something different. You weren't the first one reached, out of the gate. Right. Right. Because I was, I, a couple, I talked to a couple of the food vendor. I said, let me see if I can do this. And they said, oh, we're in, we're in. Our, our County health department wasn't ready for that. And then when I talked to them for October, they were like, yes, I just need to know when they would be open, da, 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 da. So that was good. Um, but ended up the, the food vendors were like, no, Colleen, you know, I mean, there, there was food vendors 
had set up their booth. The gates were going to open in two days. They had their inventory in there. It wasn't even two days, in two hours, excuse me. And they closed down the fair. So yeah, those Miami things, was like 30 minutes from opening their gates. They were rocking and rolling, ready to go. Background music playing, announcements getting ready to get made. County came in and said, you're done. Yeah, and wasn't it uh, Pinal County Fair? That it was, I mean, it was like less than two hours and they, and they had, they pulled it. And so, you know, these food vendors have this food. So obviously it's, I know it, Yuma, they did almost like a, I don't want to say a yard sale, but they had it set out. And if you bought this, you got that. And, and, you know, so these food vendors didn't lose all their, in. I mean, they lost their inventory. Sure. And that's but, not cheap. No, that, that front end is a very expensive cost for them. Uh, and then you hope you have that good first weekend that covers all your costs. And then you can start making some profit by midweek. And so I just say, reach out, you know, let's think of some things. Maybe we can get some things together where we work together and we, we go to the senior centers and, and we perform outside in the grass. I mean, I, I can, I can hold up sheets or something. I don't care. I'll do whatever, you know, <laughs> anything for my community um, because we need that. You know, now our kids are in school right now. Um, our high school's only been in a week. Otherwise it was virtual. Our grades, one of our grade schools has been in since August. Any so, cases coming out of that that you know of? Um, well, we just had a big flare at our fire department. 15 out of 24 got popped. Um, that's rough. They had, we had a big fire over the mountain and we had, uh, we thought it was sinus infection. They thought it was a sinus infection and they were positive. Yikes. So, you know, and that's rough when you've got a small community with a small fire department, you know, you think about emergency response for somebody that has a heart attack or someone that has a grease fire on their stove and they need help quick. Yep. And you're down 15 to 24. It's a really vulnerable time for the community. Yep. So, but I think, you know, um, I think we're all learning to adapt and change, but if, if we got people struggling, let's talk, let's figure it out. Let's think of different ways that we can do things. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to put on the convention this month for Arizona affairs and it's, it's really been a little rough. So we're getting there. We're, we're finally getting it together and we're going to do zoom like everything else has been done. Um, but hopefully get some positive out there to all our entertainers, our associate members and say, Hey, we are here. Um, we're not in the same boat you are, but we're in a boat. And um, yeah, I'm glad you, it, you said that. Cause we've brought that up several times. Sarah was getting tired of hearing, you know, Hey, we're all in the same boat. And then someone made the point that no, 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 we're all in the same storm, but we've all got very different boats. And that is a true statement. Yep. You know, a large ship is probably going to, survive than weather this storm a lot better than a dinghy <laughs> that's right so I, I think this calls for empathy and you know and gratitude god knows i'm grateful for that this happened in 2020 i mean you think about 1918 the technology that was around then they word didn't travel fast you know when you weren't able to see family you didn't have zoom or facebook or you know facetime or cell phones or we just got a real advantage right now and I'm glad we've been able to have you on the show and take advantage of some of that technology to put the podcast together. If people want to get a hold of you, Colleen, where can they do that? I'm at vvfair.com. That's V like Verdi, V like Valley, vvfair.com. 
or our phone number is 928-634-3290. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I have great camping. <laughs> she does. She does. She does. And even if you don't have an RV, there's some nice little hotels uh, in the area. That little daisy that you've put us up at for years, you know, it's just this little, what, six or eight room little motel. But the management there, the folks that run it are the sweetest people you could ever want to meet. Colleen, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Before we go, everyone I bring on the show does a speed round of questions. So I've got six quick, (laughs) the look on her face. Oh, my listeners, if you could see the look of fear that just came across her face right now. (laughs) Six quick questions. They're really not that difficult. Don't panic. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. First question. Funnel cake or fried Oreos? Funnel cake. Favorite thing about the fair? The kids. First concert you ever attended? Beach Boys. When you travel, name one thing that you absolutely must have with you. My family. Perfect. And speaking of travel, what's the furthest from home you've ever traveled? Oh, probably Calgary. Calgary? Yeah. Not, not this year, but yeah, this right. year was Niagara Falls. <laughs> Niagara Falls this year. Uh, last question. We've got, so we're recording this um, for any of you listening, November 2nd, the day before the election here in the United States. So question for you, you can go back in time and meet one president of the United States. Which one do you meet? Wow. Is she going to go with the safe answer? I probably would want to go back and see like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Or okay, something. see, Lincoln, Lincoln's the safe answer, but I, Washington's a good one. You're the second person to pick Washington. I don't know. I've never, ever thought of meeting any of them. That would freak me out. <laughs> there's a, there's some good ones that you can meet. Well, we will accept Washington and Lincoln as the answer. Uh, folks, the Verde Valley Fair in Cottonwood, Arizona is scheduled to run the first week of May 2021, God willing. Colleen is the woman who navigates all those moving pieces to bring that fair together. Colleen, I so appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.